the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Understand, God is all or nothing. You cannot accept half of God's word and leave the other half out. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. People will say, I believe in God. But yet I don't believe, you know, and they'll say, I'll believe in the Bible. I just don't believe in that part. Well, hold on a second here. That's not how it works. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus and think everything's going to be fine because that's not how it works. See, this is what God said about babies' lives. Okay, so now, was there abortion back in the Bible? It's like, no. Okay, so how do we relate this? Well, we have to relate it to the closest thing that we can find. So what's the closest thing we can find? You go back to Leviticus in the Torah, the the Pentateuch, the law of God, and you go to chapter 20, verse 2 and 3 talks about they would take babies, live babies, newborn babies, and they would offer them to the God of Moloch. Okay, what would happen to the baby? Well, the baby would be killed because the God of Moloch was a, a steel God that they put in the fire and his arms would be beat red with fire and they would take a live baby and put him into the arms of this God of Moloch. Why? Because the God of this world had wanted sacrifices to himself. Because Satan hates everybody, hates every human, hates the Satan worshiper, hates everybody. And so he gave him this opportunity. So he's like, yes, kill the babies. And so God said, you take that person, you kill the babies, you take that person immediately, you take them to the edge of the city, you stone him to death immediately. God would wipe out whole nations because they killed babies. Okay, so here we are in America, because we've made it legal, we've killed 62, 63 million babies, which is the entire population of California, the entire population of Nevada, the entire population of Arizona, Washington State, and Washington, and Oregon. You take all of those states, and that's what it takes to get up to 62, 63 million people. Now, people don't like to hear this. Too bad. Too bad because, because God is going to bring a judgment because of this. And so we are responsible for what we do. So God has given us our own free will. But the, here's the bottom line. There's consequences. Consequences to what we do. And so what he's trying to establish in the book of James is like, are you going to be friends with the world Are you going to be friends with me? Are you going to have a secular worldview? Are you going to have a biblical worldview? See, others will side with, you know, the sexual freedoms that we see now that we're legalizing, that are running rampant in our society today. By doing this requires them to do what? You have to deny what the Bible calls sin. So you have to say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, I just don't believe that part. 
Again, it doesn't work that way. Yes, they agree with God's love. Oh, yes, God is love. He's love. They agree with God's forgiveness. Oh, yes, we can all be forgiven. But they disregard God's coming judgment on this world for rejecting his word. Understand, God is all or nothing. You cannot accept half of God's word and leave the other half out. You, you can't do that. We are not given the option of picking and choosing like we pick options on a car. Do we need the sunroof? I don't know. We don't really use it. No, you can't do that with God's word. We accept his word or we reject it. Yes, God is very patient and he's very loving with us. So if a very liberal-minded person comes to know God, that's okay. You come. You come with your liberal mind. You come, you know, with a, well, I, I think a woman has her, has her own freedom. It's her body, her choice. All of these things. But you come. You come to Christ, and God is so patient. He'll walk you through these things, and he'll get you over to his side. But you have to come to him at least and just be honest with him. Like, Lord, I don't agree with this. I, I don't agree with this part of the scripture. I don't Be honest with God, but allow him to walk you through his word and allow him to minister to you. You don't have to listen to me on this. Listen to God's word, though. You're called to do that. God is very patient. He is very loving with us. But do not confuse God's mercy. Do not ever confuse his grace with a God who is soft on sin. God is not soft on sin. God hates sin. And he is going to judge sin radically on the final day. And those who trampled his goodness underfoot, look out. Their days are numbered. Because it's one thing when you're someone that says, well, I believe in abortion or whatever. But when you promote it with others and you vote for people to come in, it's like that blood is going to go down on you also. It says in Hebrews 10, 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sin, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which consumes adversaries. Wow. Ah. You know, it's like, you know, these are not things, no one is just going to have a Bible study on James chapter 4. No one's just going to sit there and say, gee, I think on a Sunday morning we're just going to teach on James chapter 4. Uh, no. This is the only way you get on studies like this is when you teach through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. This is how you end up with these kind of studies because you don't run away from them. Yes, as it says in verse four, if we are the friend of the world, we are an enemy with God. Think about that. If you're going to be buddies with the world and do what the world says and be all cool with the culture and no one's going to cancel me out of my social media because I'm going to be friends with everyone. I'm going to say the right things and not say the wrong things. And I'm going to be friends with the world. This is what the Bible says to you. First John 2.15. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. See, that's what we, we have to focus on that. This world is going to pass away. But we, if we follow faithful to the end, we're going to live forever with God. See, it, it's, it, the reward's coming. It, it's going to be tough to make these stands here, 
But the reward's coming. Remember, as Christians, our citizenship has changed to heaven. Listen, I'm a proud American. I have an American citizenship. Many of you have dual citizenship. Look, you know, we're in America because it's still the best place to live. But it's like our new citizenship is now in heaven. And we have an obligation to be faithful to that first. And that is where we will dwell forever. And forever, guess what? That's a long time. And that's why we are reminded in verse 5 that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And he strongly desires us, all of us, you know, all of our life. He wants a friendship with us. What an amazing verse that is. In the midst of everything in this world that's trying to pull us away from our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit dwells in us to draw us closer to the point of jealousy. Wow. God intensely, jealously desires us. And when we draw closer to the world, rather than drawing closer to the Lord, you know what it does? It breaks the heart of God. And doesn't it do that same thing to you? I mean, think about it. Let me just ask you here for a moment. Doesn't your heart break when someone that you love forsakes you? A loved one, you know, when they're not faithful to you, you know, when they don't call you when you're down and when they forget a promise that they made to you, doesn't it break your heart? Well, when we're not faithful to God and we go with the world instead of what God's word says, that's what it does to him. Yes, God jealously desires us for close and personal fellowship. Think about that. The creator of the universe. He's the one that makes our eyes see. He's the one that makes our ears hear. He's the one that makes our taste buds work. Isn't it glorious how those taste buds work? The creator of the universe that made us from the dust of the earth wants fellowship with you and me. And he desires us, all of us. Remember, it was God that called us his friends. He says, and he has adored us so much that he's adopted us and he refers to us as his own children, his own sons and daughters. You are the son or the daughter of God. Wow. Remember, the world is not our friend. The world will leave us empty. Look how many people are trusting in politics right now. How's that paying off? It's paying off at the gas pump, five bucks a gallon. I mean, it's paying off in inflation. But how much peace can the world give you? How much peace of our politics delivered on here? It doesn't. Understand, the world order is the brainchild of the devil himself. Remember what Jesus said? He's the God of this world. That's what he is. That's why this whole system is anti-God, and it's more towards its own world system. Let's read what it says here in James 4, picking up in verse 6. It says, but he gives a greater grace. So God gives a greater grace. Grace means God's unmerited favor. So there's an unmerited favor that is greater. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud. He's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's a great promise. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Wow, this is a pretty crazy portion of scripture. 
Let's pull this apart real quick. Notice in verse 6, God gives us a greater grace. It's the one ray of hope in this sea of darkness that surrounds us. God's grace is greater than any and everything that the devil has devised. For God's grace is greater than all sin. Jesus died for the sin of the world, and humanity can find true and real deliverance over all that destroys. I was watching this documentary on Muhammad Ali last night. It's like hours long. I mean, this thing was like hours and hours long. And I'm watching this thing. And of course, you know, as a boxing fan, oh my goodness, man, Muhammad Ali, man, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I mean, in his prime, he was a beast. But then, of course, as you know, he boxed way too long and, you know, got his head bashed in way too much as he got too old. But you realize, because he was part of the nation of Islam, how they were pushing him to continue to fight to bring in money because he was the number one giver of Islam. And they were building temples all in his name. So he kept fighting way longer than he should have bringing in the paydays to give the money to them and then you realize that as he got older he would say like I've done so many bad things because he was a womanizer I'm using his words you know uh, he was a massive womanizer married multiple times had multiple affairs with women had impregnated many women and this is all out of his mouth I'm just watching the thing and so he says you know you know I, I've got to make up for all these things so his life was a life of penance how do I make up for this? Like somehow the goods can outweigh the bad. And he, they would talk about how generous he was and he would give people money. Hey, oh, Muhammad Ali, can you give me some money? Yeah, and he would just throw money on him. His, his one wife said he'd walk out of here with $30,000 in his pocket and come home empty. He would, just, he would always give away, but he had this sense of guilt because he had to somehow make up for how bad he was. And, and he would talk as he got older in life and it's like, I, I've done so many bad things. And he was trying to let the good outweigh the bad. Like somehow God grades on the curve. And I'm just, I, my heart was going out to him. I was like, just like, wow, you were trying to get there because of good works. It's like, you can't make up for the bad. Only Jesus can forgive our sin. He's the only one that can cleanse away. I'm thinking like, what a waste. And I'm thinking like, this man, he really tried to be good. He really tried to be good. That's why so many people emulate him. That's why so many people admire him. And he was trying to be so good, but we could never be good enough. Jesus died for the sin of all humanity. But as it says in verse 7, we must submit to God. We must resist the devil. To submit means to line up under. It's a military term of obeying the authority of the commanding officer. It's children submitting to their parents. It's society submitting to the laws of the land as long as they don't usurp God's law. It's the church submitting to Jesus Christ. And to resist the devil is simply that. It's to take a wholehearted stand against the devil and not to submit to sin. Know this, there is no middle ground. We as Christians cannot have one foot in the world and one foot, you know, in the Lord. Yeah, we have to be on one side or the other. And when we start putting up barriers and when we start resisting the flesh and the sins of the flesh, the devil will flee from us. I'm not saying that this is easy. 
This is difficult because if we come to know Christ, when we get rid of this and get rid of that and stop doing that, then all of a sudden we realize we've got that one or two areas in our life that really allure us. And it's difficult. It's not easy to follow the Lord. It's difficult. But the Bible says if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. No temptation is stronger than that which has come common to all men. But with that temptation, God will give us a way of escape. There is the power that is within you as a believer to resist whatever you find your biggest weakness in. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, you are now from God. You're his little children and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Again, we are to draw near to God. We are to pursue our relationship with him. Again, how? How do we pull all this off? Well, number one, by prayer. Prayer, again, is just a, a code word for just talking with God, right? We can talk with God. God can hear our prayers. And it's like, isn't that great? I mean, the creator of the universe, huh? 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars in every one, but he'll listen to you. He'll listen to you. He has the ability to listen to me and listen to you at the same time. You know, he can walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, he can just do it all. We're to read his word. We're to get plugged in with church. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We are told in verse 8 to purify our hearts. We are to cleanse our hearts. How? How do we cleanse ourselves? Well, one way of cleansing our hearts is found in verse 9. He says, be miserable, mourn and weep. Some might say, well, pastors, any other options? (laughs) Any other options than being miserable, mourning and weeping? I mean, what does that even mean anyway? It's like, what? Be miserable, mourn, and weep? Well, let me ask you. It doesn't make sense at first read, but when you think about what he's really saying, when is the last time that you were miserable, mourning, and weeping over your personal sin? When is the last time you got in your face before God? God, I have fought this sin for 10 years of my life, 20 years of my life. I am sick of it. I am sick of always giving in to this thing. And you just start mourning and weeping before God. God, take this thing away from me. When's the last time that you mourned and wept over your own sin? Maybe that's part of the problem. If you never mourn or weep over your own sin, Because maybe you've taken advantage of God's grace and his mercy. I think we've all taken advantage. Let me just say that. I have taken advantage of God's mercy and grace. I think we all have. But at what point in our growth with him do we just get real and serious and stop taking advantage of his grace and mourn over our own sinfulness? Let's look. Let's look at that sin a little closer. Jesus was bludgeoned to death for your sin and for my sin. Remember, the wages of sin is death. See, I think we forget that. It's like if we didn't have Christ, we would go to hell in a handbasket. Doesn't matter how good we are, doesn't matter how good of a person in society we are, without Christ, you're going to hell. Doesn't matter how many good deeds you did, you're going to hell. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Look, we've all taken advantage of it. I know I have, but it's like... Boy, at what point do we start weeping and mourning over our own sin? Yes, if we did and we humble ourselves before God, then what does he say? I will lift you up. When you humble yourself, when you get on your face, oh God, I'm sorry. It's like, what does he do? He lifts you up. 
He exalts you. He lifts you up. Remember what David said when he was mourning over his wicked sin with Bathsheba, where he, you know, had this adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and had her husband killed? Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. God's like, enough of your bulls and your sheep that you're sacrificing. Save the animals. Why don't you get on your face before me and be sorry? He says, enough of the sacrifices. How about a sacrifice of a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God? You will not despise, David said. Contrite means a collapsed heart before God. Oh, God, I'm sorry. God wants to hear that prayer. Oh, God wants to wrap his arms around you. Man, when you're really sorry, man, he wants to come in and he wants to flood you with his mercy and his grace and pour it out on you. He wants to lift us up as his friends. He wants to bring us to heaven with himself. Therefore, we cannot be friends with any sin if we're going to be friends with God. Which brings up quickly our final point, seeking the Lord. Let's read what he says here in verse 11. He says, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Don't be a judge. He says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. That's why Jesus says, hey, don't fear any man, fear God, because he's the one that can send you to hell or he's the one that's going to bring you to heaven. Fear God. When you fear God, you won't fear anyone else. He goes on to say here in verse 13, come now you who say today or tomorrow we shall go to such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then you vanish away in, in the scope of eternity. It's like, you know, what's our 80 years if we live to be 80 years old in the scope of millions of years? It's like it's nothing. It's like a, a vapor, he said. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or do that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is sin. Well, let's just end here real quickly here. First in verse 11 and 12, we're not to slander. We're not to defame anyone else. That just simply means if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. This, of course, is not saying that we cannot confront a fellow believer that's living in sin. You know, we're, we're called to do that. So we're called to be fruit inspectors. You know, what's the fruit of someone's life? You know, see, some people say, don't judge me, bro. Well, I just watched you shoplift something, so you're a thief. Don't judge me, bro. No, you're a thief because that's what you do. You know, if you're an adulterer or you're a fornicator because you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you're having sexual relations outside of marriage, you're a fornicator. Don't judge me, bro. No, it's like, that's what you are. That's what you're doing. So the Bible tells us we're to confront those people. Matthew 18, verse 15 says, if you see a brother or sister in a sin, you're to go to them. But we don't go to them like with our veins popping out of our neck. You fornicator, you sinner. Hey, pagan on the way to hell. Let me tell you something. No. We're to go to them in love. Hey, brother, man, it's like you're, you're living in sin here, you know, and I just want you to know that the Bible says if you say that you know him but you walk in darkness, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. So what side are you on? How are you going to really live? And so our whole motive of confronting someone on sin is only one motive, 
to see them repent and come back to the Lord. And if you don't have that motive, don't confront anyone. Never confront someone. But now let's focus on verse 13 and 15. We make many plans, right? But none of us are guaranteed about tomorrow. Our lives in the light of eternity are likened to a vapor. Or as it says in Psalm 144, verse 4, says, Man is like a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. I wonder how many of our plans, like, hey, I got a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, but what's God's plan for you? What's his plan? And it's nothing wrong with having plans. Nothing wrong with that. But it just needs to be like, here's my plan, Lord, unless you have a different plan. That's all God is saying there. Our plan should always be ran by him. How sad if we were to stand before God one day and we only live for ourselves. The last two verses allude to the fact of living for your own plans and being arrogant. And we know that we're not living for Jesus. It's sin. You're not a steward of my life and I'm not a steward of your life. You're a steward of your life. And it's like, is that life a steward of God and allowing him to work in and through you in your focus of where you live in your sphere of life to those people that you work with to your family and to your neighbors because god wants to use you for his glory amen thanks for joining us for core truth radio you've been listening to pastor and bible teacher steve wilburn of core church los angeles if you'd like to hear more messages by pastor steve download the core church los angeles free app available on ios and android core truth is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of core church la if you have been blessed by this program consider supporting our radio ministry by texting core church la that's core church la one word to 77977 You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.